How you doing, guys? Welcome to chapel. Uh, we just have a few announcements for you guys today. So the application for class council, commuter president, and ARB chair will be available in tomorrow's version of the Campus Chronicles. And these will be due on April 10th. Thank you, Janet. Uh, final announcement. Next week, our chapel speaker on both Wednesday and Friday is Montague Williams. Yes. If you're a freshman or a sophomore and you're saying, who's Montague Williams? 
Montague was the chair of our religion department for several years, a professor, beloved chaplain of the school, and I, we just, I just know, we're just anticipating what he's going to share with us next week. So be sure to come, even if all your chapel requirements have been filled for the semester, come back to hear those powerful sermons from Montague. Would you pray with us as we continue to worship? God, we thank you for this special time that we have set aside in the life of our campus each week to stop, to stop what we are doing, to recognize you as God, to recognize your sovereignty over this place and in us. So God, we just want to say you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our lives. Would you speak to us over the next 45 minutes? God, help us to set aside the things that might be cluttering our mind and heart in this moment, the things, the papers, the assignments, the grading, the classes, maybe even the relationships that are cluttering our mind right now. Would you help us to set those things aside? to set aside these moments to hearing you and your voice alone. Come and be with us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Heaven 
our Father All of heaven roars your name Sing louder Let this place you up with praise Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth The sound of heaven touching earth our Father, all of heaven rose your name, sing louder, let this place erode with praise, can you hear it, the sound of heaven touching earth, the sound of heaven touching us.
Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me.
into your presence. God, would you continue to just be with us? We want to welcome you, God, to just throw the seed of your word out on this soil today. We pray, God, that it would not return to you void, but would accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it today. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Our speaker today is Pastor Richie Griffiths. He comes to us from the Metro New York area. He has planted a church there, the Vine Church. And uh, he's brought his family, Yannick and Hannah and Seth. Would you mind standing so that we could welcome you here to the ENC community today? I told them they were going to be our special guests today, and Seth has already talked to me about maybe being a student here someday. Yeah, We're so glad that you're here. Pastor Richie, come and share the word of the Lord to us today. Would you welcome Pastor Richie Griffiths? Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Pastor Lynn, um, for inviting me to be with you this morning. If there's any challenge with what I say, please see her after. <laughs> no, thank you so much, Lynn, for Pastor Lynn, for, for inviting me here and being with you. It is a privilege to be with you all. 
I see you, sir. It's a privilege to be with you all this, this morning. Uh, college campuses bring back some very fond memories um, for me. I, I remember, you know, I grew up, I was born in Jamaica, West Indies, and I came to the U.S. when I was four. And, um, you know, I grew up in New York City, went to college to, which wasn't a, a Christian university by any means. And, um, you know, I, I thought that my, my life would be about athletics and music and um, running track and competing and those type of things. And I was able to do some of those things um, at a pretty high level. And God had a different plan. Um, and so I yielded to that plan, and I have reaped the benefits of yielding to God's plan because his plan is better than our plan. Amen? So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. I had something new to share with you, but I've, I really feel the Spirit leading me to, to, to share some of what shared last night. And so I'm going to yield to the Spirit this, this morning and share some of those things. But I am excited to be with you. It is on a college campus, a non Christian University in which I had a definitive experience with God. I remember specifically, and don't worry, I'll pray and give a scripture, um, <laughs> but I remember definitively being where I wasn't supposed to be one late, late night and waking up very, very early in the morning. I believe it was about maybe four or five in the morning, and, and all I could sense was the Lord saying to me, I did not build you for this. I built you for something more. And I remember it was really cold. It was up in Binghamton, New York. I remember getting up very, very early and walking back to my apartment, which was quite a long way away. But I, I had an experience with the living God in a, such a definitive way that it changed my life forever. And today I want to talk to you about transformative experience. A transformative experience that I think God wants for all of us to have. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning that you are good and you're gracious. That you're loving and that you're kind. And as the songwriter said and the worship team said, Lord, you are relentless. You leave to gain. You pursue us when we are not thinking about you. Lord, some of us are here because we're supposed to be here. Some of us are here, Lord, because we have to check the boxes so that we can go about doing business as usual. But God, I know that you can meet people in such an effective and definitive way and interrupt what we thought was so it could be what you have designed it to be. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to us in words that are so clear and cogent that we know you are speaking to us directly. I pray, God, that you wouldn't give us a general word, Lord, but you would give us a rhema word, something specific, that, Lord, you would be speaking to the general populace, Lord, but you would be speaking directly to me. God, I pray that it would be more than a religious exercise, but that the spirit of the living God would tabernacle with us today, coat the walls of the sanctuary, and touch our hearts in such a way that it's undeniable. Speak to us, Lord, in words that are clear. Speak, Lord, this morning. Speak so that your people will be edified, so that your name would be glorified, and that our enemy would be mortified, because some people have loved you today. And some people have loved you more. We ask you these things in your name, we pray. Amen. So, 
I am going to check the time. That actually re means nothing. It's a formality. You know, when a black preacher looks at his watch or time, it's for you to feel like he's concerned, but he's really not concerned. <laughs> Care nothing about time, right? <laughs> so I got 25 minutes, and I'm just telling you that so that you know that if someone has told me, but I really don't know that I'm playing with you. No, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I want you to look in your Bibles at Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Like I told you before, I, had, I wanted us to look somewhere else this morning, but I feel we're led to stay, stay here. And so I, I, I want to stay here. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. You know this story, right? Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, as most people would think when they see a fire burning, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Today I want to share with you from the topic, When God Calls. When God calls, I'm going to need some help from you so you can say amen, you can grunt, mm, you can say stay right there, you can say come on now, help me a little bit, interaction, it would be helpful, but I want you to be assured of God's specific call to you in spite of your failures, in spite of your limitations, in spite of your disappointments and even your accomplishments so that you will fully commit to Christ. I want you to be assured of God's specific call to you this morning in spite of possible failures, limitations, disappointments, and accomplishments so that you will fully commit to Christ. And while we're doing this, we're looking at the context of Moses' calling then so that we can see the context of God's calling to us today. Does that make sense? That sometimes we are able to look back at how God called back then and the conditions of that call and see some of those conditions and the context and say, wow, that's a very similar condition and a context. And I might be in a similar place as Moses. So God can be calling me right now, too, and I don't even know it. God could be calling me right now and I could just be texting. Come on, somebody. That right there, I mean, somebody. <laughs> Well, here's some of the conditions of the call. You might remember the story. Moses was raised in Egypt. You might remember that, right? Some of you do remember that. Moses was raised in Egypt, and when he, after he was raised in Egypt, he found himself, somebody had hit his countrymen, killed his countrymen, um, um, uh, struck his countrymen, and he hit, he hit the person, he killed the country, he killed the person who killed the countrymen. He had to escape, and he ran away because he didn't want to be killed. He ran away, he found, a, 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 you know, Pretty young thing. He got married. 
He started living amongst those people. He started adopting what some of their practices. He was sort of tending sheep and going about his way, found himself on the mountain, and it was on the mountain that God met him. He was just going about his business, and God came and met him and called to him and showed him something that really caught his attention. One of the things is that God called Moses and calls us, one of the first points, is within imperial mistreatment and oppression of the foreigner. Sometimes we have to see some of the indications of, and, and, the, and the ways in which God calls. So, you know, when we see some things like the mistreatment and the oppression of the foreigner, we have to know that God is not turning a blind eye. In fact, when you see those things, it should be indicative that if you are living in a time when those things are happening, that God is trying to raise up some people in the middle of that. When the people of God are living, you know, sometimes, some people, I used to be very nervous with my own, I love my children, I'll give them an example. I used to be very nervous with my children because I would say, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. Because look at what they all have to deal with in this coming age. And when I leave and I'm no longer here, they're going to have to deal with situations and circumstances that I could never even fathom. And I said to myself, I can take the position of fear and say, oh my God, what's going to happen to them? Or I can take the position that God wants me to take is that God has set them up and built them for such a time as this. In other words, God says, I know it's going to be beyond what you can conceive, but I'm raising up a standard against it. And it's your children. So don't be afraid. I'm going to give them the capacity to be able to deal with whatever challenge is coming their way. In other words, they're built tougher than you, Rich. So when you are in a situation like this, in a circumstance, in a world like this, where it seems dismal, God is saying to you, I'm calling you because you're built this way. When you see mistreatment of the foreigner and the oppressed, and you can just go about your business as usual, God says, no, 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 I'm calling you to not be silent. I'm calling you to be a vessel. I could have made you be born at any time in world history, but in this dismal time, I decided that it was necessary for you to be here. That is not an accident. And he calls us within imperial mistreatment and oppression of the foreigner. Moses going about his business, and God says, no, 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 now it's time. Some of us are going about business, and God is saying, now it's your time. The second thing he calls that he calls us knowing our history, our failures, our limitations, and even our fears. He calls us knowing the skeletons in our closet. In other words, he didn't call Moses before he created, he had that vile act of murder. He called him after that. Sometimes you might even think that you have done something so egregious that God can't use you. This morning I'm telling you, God says, no, I can use anyone and anybody. I remember even being on a college campus because my witness sometimes was so soiled. I thought that, you know, if I follow Jesus right now at this late stage in the game, I remember being a college student, no one's really going to believe that I'm a credible witness of Christ. But God redeems everything and everyone. And you don't have to think that just because you made an error before that God cannot use you now. Just because the witness was soiled before doesn't mean that God can't redeem you now. I've seen that. We're the same people who have the receipts in our culture. What we say is that when people know everything about you, they got the receipts. So I know people who have the receipts, and I've come to know those people who have all of my receipts about everything that I've done. And they've come to say, Rich, there's something different happening inside of you. 
They've come to know that, listen, I can see Jesus living inside of you. I've been able to baptize people who have been right there next to me with all the receipts. In other words, God says, I don't need you to be perfect. I need you to be available. Let me take, don't worry about the things that you cannot control. Let me change the witness. Let me do the work that you can't do. The third thing God called Moses and calls us is that he calls within religious pluralism and varying worldview considerations. The Bible makes it a clear point to note in this particular description that he was Moses and he was tending the sheep of Jethro, the Midianite priest. In other words, the story could have been told a particular way, Moses just being on the mountain. But the author, the narrative, the biblical writer wanted us to say, in the midst, in the midst, the Midianite priest. In other words, he was in the middle of a differing worldview. He was in the middle of a differing religious perspective. And God calls in the middle of that. I remember, and I shared last night, being on a New York City subway as 12 years old and 13 years old, going to junior high and high school. And from one stop to the next, I am exposed to every religion in the world. And a lot of entertainment. And I remember there wrestling with the faith and saying, which is right and which is wrong. And when God revealed himself in a divinitive way. And God says to us, as he says to Moses, that even though you are in the middle of varying religious worldviews and perspectives, I am calling you specifically to me. When you see those things, it doesn't diminish the validity of our Christianity. It affirms it evermore. God says, I call in the middle of everything. That's what I do. I am not restricted. I don't have to eradicate all those things. Is that I can call in the middle of all those things and I can redeem those things too. For Moses later on was able to even redeem that religious perspective. So sometimes we as believers take the back burner because we say, you know, with all these other religions, how can I say? How can I be so definitive? And God calls us like he calls Moses in the middle of religious pluralism and varying worldviews. He calls when we are and where, he calls us where we are and where we've settled. Where we've settled. You know, Moses was quite content with just herding sheep and living his best life and not troubling anybody. I'm living my, I'm not even going to go there. He, he's just, he, he was quite content with just living his life, not upsetting the card, not bothering anybody, just me and my family, and I'm going about my business. He was content in his own routine. But what happens is that when we're in our routine, when we are content where we are, when we are satisfied with the lesser, God comes and he brings us to the more. That means in the middle of your chapel routine, in the middle of your school routine, it's just another Friday. God says it's not just another Friday. Today is a special day. God says that I can come into what is the mundane and transform the mundane. He's saying in your experience, I can come into your routine and make it different. And he calls us. In the routine, he calls us to an undeniable and irrefutable experience. You know, I shared that 
My wife had the, the, had the great idea to take me one day to this extremely fancy restaurant because she knew that I really wasn't about fancy restaurants. Just wanted to get the food and be about my business. So she said, no, I'm going to take you to this fancy restaurant. I said, babe, I don't need to go to the fancy restaurant. She said, put on a jacket, put on some slacks because they don't record that you, you need a jacket, you need some slacks. I said, no, I don't want to go. She said, trust me, go. <laughs> I said, no doubt, let's do this. So we went. And I'm already concerned because these fancy restaurants, they charge you a whole bunch of money for a little bit of hors d'oeuvres. So she said, trust me, we're going to go. We went. As soon as we went in there, they gave us a slab. It had three mini tomatoes on the slab. And I looked at my wife and I said, see, they're giving me three little circles. I'm hungry. They're going to tell me this is organic and charge me $100. <laughs> she goes, it's all right. I said, no, it's not all right. How much? She said, don't worry about the money. I said, I have to worry about the money because the way our bank account is set up is that we got to check it in the savings. <laughs> and it's a joint account, baby. So, so, you know, this is, this is what we do. We, this, what we got is what we got. So what are you doing? You know? So we go inside, and we walk in some more. I got the jacket on, got the slacks on, and I'm looking for the waiter. No waiter comes to us. It's just like the, uh, the chef comes out, gives us this card, and it's just a box with some ingredients in the card. And I said, well, what do you mean? What is this? Where's the waiter? And the chef starts talking to us, and he goes, you know, um, what does your palate feel for? I said, palate? Looked at my wife. I said, how much? She said, don't worry about that. I said, all right. I said, well, you know, here's what my palate feels for. Ask me what spices, what am I allergic to, boom, boom, boom. And he said, okay, great. And he just left. I said, where's he going? Nobody took, us, took our order. Ain't no menu. There's nothing going on. He just left. He came back, and he brought food. And we ate the food. And I said, this is exactly what my palate felt for. <laughs> oh, my God, honey, you made me a believer. And I ate that. I said, where are, where are we? What's going on? And I ate the food, and I loved the food, and I went about my business. And the next Tuesday, I was having devotion in a cafe that was not restaurant. That restaurant, this one was a cheap restaurant, praise God. And I was just having my little devotion there, and I heard two ladies sitting next to me. And one lady was telling the other lady that, listen, um, I think I'm going to take my husband to this restaurant. She named the restaurant. And, and she said, but I'm not sure he'll like it because he's so picky and boom, boom, boom. And I interrupted their conversation, just jumped into their conversation. I don't know the people. And I said, you better take your husband to that restaurant. <laughs> she looked at me. She said, did you go? And I said, yes, I went. She said, was it delicious? I said, it was fabulous. <laughs> she said, you think I should take my husband? I said, you better. And she said, oh, my gosh. And I told her about my experience. And I said, you've got to go. You've got to take him. I was not a believer. I became a believer. This was something that I would recommend to all my friends if they want to have a nice experience. And she was like, oh, my God, it's so great. I'm so glad I ran into you. Thank you for interrupting my conversation. I said, no problem. I'll interrupt again if I see you. <laughs> she gave me some recommendations of some restaurants. And I said, that's great. I'm going to take my wife when I get that money because she took everything out the checking and the savings. Why do I tell that story? I tell that story because God wants us to have a real experience. When you have a real experience, it's no issue to share your real experience. What God wants to do or wanted to do with Moses and wants to do with us is that he doesn't want you to rely on the experience of only your forefathers that right now, today, God is saying, I want to have a definitive experience with you. Because when I have a definitive experience with you, I don't have to go on an evangelism campaign. You must talk about me. When you have a real experience with the living God, nobody has to court you into a church program to share what God is doing inside of you. When you have a real experience of the living God, you can't wait to find an opportunity to share what has happened to you. You 
have a perspective on people who don't know Christ and those people who are being disenfranchised in such a way that you must speak. So God says to Moses, and like what he's saying to us is that I am revealing myself to you in such a definitive way so that you can say to your children, I had an experience. And nobody can take that away. See, they'll always be able to debate your theology. They'll always be able to question your religion. They will never be able to question your experience. And God says, Moses, the only thing that is going to keep you solid when I send you back to Egypt is the reality that you had an experience with me. So I'm telling you this morning, for those of you who are saying that it is impossible, God is saying it is, it, it is very possible. If I met Moses, I'm meeting you right now. He's calling us to a clarity of faith, an exclusive allegiance to God. He says to him, I'm the God of your father. I'm God of Abraham. I'm God of Isaac. I'm God of Jacob. I'm no philosophical religious hybrid. Rather, I am creating clarity and certainty about who Jesus is. God is saying to Moses, listen, I know that there are a lot of religious perspectives out there, but I am revealing something specifically to you. This is the God who I am. And today he's saying to us that I am revealing myself specifically in the middle of all that's going on to let you know that you have not found the wrong way, but you found the right way. That God has given you the privilege to know him and to know him even before some people know him. Some of you are the only people in your families right now that have a, 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 an exposure to the gospel of Christ. Some of you are the only believers in your entire family. And God says, the reason why you are what you are and why you heard what you heard is so that you can transform what the generations, I can transform the generations through you. So what does God want me to do in this process? He wants us to move towards him. Move towards him when he's revealing himself. Move towards him, Moses saw this burning bush and just started moving. Sometimes God gives us these inklings, these things that are real tangible, some things that we can see that that's God. And he's just saying, move towards me. God hasn't made a mistake. You're not an accident. He's revealing himself to you. And what he's trying to do is redeem our past and change our trajectories. He wants to redeem our past and change our trajectories. He's not finished with you, and he's desiring to breathe new life in you. Somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not finished with you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, he's breathing new life into you. God is not finished with you. Move towards him. Why move towards him? Because he doesn't want us to live lives of just the mundane, but he wants us to experience the miraculous. If his word tells us that we can see new mercies morning after morning, day after day, he's saying that I want you to experience something that is beyond routine, but that the spirit of God can have you experience the miraculous in and through Christ Jesus. He tells us, move towards him. Some of you guys, God is showing you something very definitive, placed you in some situations. Some people have been talking to you over and over again. And it's like the more sometimes people talk and the more sometimes people put some things before you is the more you run away. 
the more you stay silent. I'm saying to you, like what Moses did, move towards him. Don't push away, but move towards him. The second thing is answer when he's calling you. Answer him. Moses said when he asked him, Mo, who are, where are you? He says, here, here I am. Answer when he's calling you. Answer when he's calling you because God has the best for you. I remember another story real quick because I'm conscious of time. <laughs> I'm playing. I, I remember my, 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 my son, he had, and at the time he had, missed, he had missed school and we wanted to create um, a good opportunity for him to be with his friends and to, to, to experience something that he hadn't experienced before. So my wife said, you know, what you could do is you can probably connect with, let's connect with the parents and let's take him to this, to, 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 to Playland on, on, on Friday. And that way he can see something that he has never seen before and he can see his friends, which he loves to do. So we said, okay. So the Friday came and, and at that time he was going to a local park. All he knew was this local park called Turtle Park. And so we would go to Turtle Park back and forth. And so he woke up and he said, man, can we go to Turtle Park? And I said, no, we're not going to go to Turtle Park. We're going to go someplace different, but you're going to love it. And in his little mind, he, at that time, he, wouldn't be, he wasn't able to conceive anything bigger than Turtle Park. So we were going to take him to Playland. Now, Playland is not great adventure. Amen. And it's not Disneyland. But to a three-year-old, Playland is Disneyland. Okay. And it's for less. Okay. Because checking and savings. <laughs> less. So... We said, all right, we're going to set this thing up. And we set the thing up, and I remember we said, okay, we're going to get him in the car, and we're going to go to this place. And I remember him getting in the car. When he got into the car, he was crying because he really wanted to go to Turtle Park. But we had a different plan for him. And I remember he got into the car, and he was crying. I was saying, calm down. Something is going to be, going to, it's going to be better for you. But he couldn't conceive that there could be something better than Turtle Park. And he was hungry, and he was like, I'm hungry. And I had pre, we had prepackaged. We had prepackaged his lunch. And so we said, here, eat. And he was eating and sniffling. <laughs> he's smiling now because he didn't want to eat and I said here's another thing that you're going to do you're going to have to rest and he had to rest and he didn't want to sleep when he finally fell asleep I jumped on a 95 and I drove up to Playland we got to Playland we stayed there because he was still sleeping how many of you know that while you're resting in Christ Jesus he is working for you how many of you know that sometimes when we rest in God, he is moving the pieces that you cannot move? And when we got there and as he was sleeping, I remember he's sleeping and I had to wait a few hours. I just watched him sleep for a little while and I said, I'm not going to interrupt him. I want him to wake up naturally. And I remember when he woke up naturally, I'll never forget it. He looked up. He saw the roller coaster. He looked at me, wiped his eyes, looked back, looked at the roller coaster, looked at me and asked a very poignant question. Daddy, what is that? Because he had never seen. He had never seen. Bible tells us this says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. And I said, this is a roller coaster, and kids get on that, and they go up and down, and they have a grand time. And when you go in there, there's things like cotton candy and popcorn and all types of other snacks and candy. And I still didn't even let him know about his friends. And he said, can we go? And I said, yes, you can go. And we went in there, and I could see his, 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 the parents from afar, so he wanted to go one way, and he still wanted to go his other way. And I said, no, go this way. And he was kind of getting upset, but, Dad, I want to go there. And I said, no, go there. How many of us know that sometimes when God is trying to give us good things, we want to redirect? And I'm saying, go through this way, and go through that way, and go through this way. And finally, when he got there, he saw his friends, and he looked up at me, and he said, oh, my gosh, Dad, my friends. And I said, I know. 
And he said, can I go? And I said, now you can go. How many of us know that God is not just out here just to say no? He's here to do what's best for us. How many of us know that he doesn't just take pleasure in us being upset, but he wants us to have the best? And when he went to his friends, there was so much joy in his heart. And I got joy as his father seeing the joy in his heart. In other words, what I'm saying this morning is answer the call because God has what's best for you. You don't know what's best for you. You think you know what's best for you. But guess what? What we design for ourselves many times is fashioned and formed out of our own brokenness. In other words, sometimes our hurt and our pain causes us to pursue some things that is not necessarily birthed out of love. But God says, everything I have for you is birthed out of love. So answer my call because what I have for you is best for you. Don't try and form and fashion your own life without me. But ask me, answer me, because what I have for you is best. Sometimes we're so focused on our own plans that are rooted in our brokenness, we forfeit God's plans that both cannot fail and are rooted in love. The Bible tells us in Psalm 127, unless he builds the house, we labor in vain. There's also a sense of urgency when answering the call. When God comes to you, and gives you something and, def- and gives you a definitive experience of him. It's not something that say, I see you, God, I'm coming later. Moses had this opportunity to, to answer God immediately. In other words, when God is moving and shaking in this place and God is tugging and touching your heart, it's not to say, yo, I'm going to get at it when I graduate. God is saying, no, no, get at it now. You don't have to wait until you're a millionaire to be effective. You don't have to wait until you're a graduate to be You hear what I'm going with this? Sometimes we think I have to establish this first. I have to create this first. I have to complete this first. And what we do is we don't avail ourselves to God. You know what I tell my children at four and seven years old? Is that it's not about what you will become. My wife and I try and instill in them that you can be effective right now if you are an open and available vessel and a tool in the hands of the living God. You don't have to wait. But the availability and the urgency is what God is looking for. Hebrews 4, 7, God says, God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts today, but answer the call. Last thing is yield when he's inviting you to participate in holy living. Yield. Last night, Pastor Stretch made this example. He said, you know, when you go to a stop sign or you go to a yield sign and another car is coming on an on-ramp, that you, you, yielding means that, that you stop and you allow. Yielding is, yielding is this, this, this motion where you're saying, God, you know what? I, I, you're leading me on this one. I'm letting go of the things that I thought important, and I'm allowing you to lead this one. Yield to it. And embrace the invitation to experience holy ground. Holy ground is where we experience true love, true relationship, and beautiful boundaries. In other words, God is not out here. I am not out here as, a hev- as an earthly father to give my children boundaries so that it hurts them. I am here as their earthly father to give them everything that I can possibly give out of love 
And when I give them boundaries, it is for the immediate and it is for the long term. What God is saying is that when you operate within my boundaries that I give you, it's not a death sentence. It is a release into glorious living. It is a release into purposeful living. My boundaries are beyond career and your aspirations. It is about effectiveness in all spheres of your life. When you do the, 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 the thinking for yourself, when you design the things for yourself, you're designing one part and through one part. But God is designing all in all, through and through, for the things that you cannot even see. Yielding to God is when we get to move from operating in the natural to operating in the supernatural. And if you guys want to operate in the supernatural... I don't know about you, but the supernatural makes all the difference. I don't want to operate with what, just what I can see. I want to operate with what I cannot see. I want to operate with what the Spirit sees. I want to be able to see past what people show me and see pain and hurt. I want to be able to see past fake smiles and see hearts. I want to be able to see and do things because God sometimes has us do some things that have nothing to do with the particular, you know, sometimes we see in scripture uh, people want to be healed and, and God is telling them, tell them to go dip seven times in that dirty pool over there and they have to do it. I want to be able to experience that. Yielding is releasing our life and being exclusively God's. No duplicity. And what that means is that sometimes we think that we can do a little bit of God and some other stuff, a little bit more Christ, and some other things. And God is saying, no, no, no. All in all, if you make your life mine, I will transform every aspect of your life. I will touch every aspect of your life, and I will take you to places that you never thought possible. My wife and I can attest to that. My wife and I can attest to that. I don't know if I've ever shared here before with you, but we went. I remember one time, and I'm closing now. I really am. No, this is it. I'm closing now. This is the last thing. We went one time. We were preparing to get married. We celebrate nine years in June, and we were preparing to get married. And my wife, you know, she's, she, you don't know, but she's very artistic, and she wanted to get, get, get married in this in this. Um, this, this warehouse, swanky warehouse in the city. So I said, all right, let's do it. And I remember they gave us, we, we saw the price tag on, on the spot. And I said, okay, let, okay. And we walked in there like we had it. You know, when you walk into a place, like you got all the cash, but you don't really have the cash, but you need to act, act like you got the cash. So I went in there and I asked for the price and I sw swirled in there like I had all the bread. And, and I asked them how much and they said, how much? And I said, okay, okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking, where, are, who is going to pay that? And I remember she telling the price and we're looking at it and, 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 and Yannick said, no, you know what? I really wanted to be there. And I remember we were getting ready to, 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 to leave and the lady who was not a believer looked at us, and she said, you know what? There's something about your spirits, and I'm going to help you. And it was a three-story building, and I remember the top of the building was something like, how much was it, honey? Like 12000 for the top part, 8000 for the next part, and 6000 for the next part, and not including catering. <clears throat> and I was saying, oh, man, <laughs> where? <laughs> who? And she said, I'm going to help you. But she said, there's something about your spirit. Now, she's not a believer. And we go in there. And we have not disclosed that we are in ministry or anything. We just said to her, we would like to be here. And she says, I, I want to help you. There's something about your spirit. 
The longest story of the short story is that she ended up giving us the, the, the building, the entire building, all three floors for peanuts. Because she said, I see something different in your spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but God wants to bring you to places. And I use a monetary example, not because God will give you reprieve on the cost of things. I'm using it as an example to say that God wants people to see his spirit living inside of you. And he's going to open up doors and close some doors and move you and direct you and impress on people once we avail ourselves to his spirit and his leading. God wants to do it, and he wants to do it through you. God wants to do like what he did to Moses, where he takes a broken individual, a fallible person with a past, but who is available, and take him to where people are being marginalized and people are being oppressed and where there's challenge and says, I'm going to take you as a broken person, knowing all of your failures and all of your limitations, but understanding that you're available, and I'm bringing you to go get my people because I love them with an everlasting love. And I love you too. I wonder if this morning some people would say, I hear what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from. And I want God to use me in that way. I wonder if this morning as we're wrestling, I know what we wrestle with sometimes as as, as college students, as we're wrestling with our faith and our past and our challenges, if God is saying to you this morning that, I want to do something in you. I wonder if God is taking this seemingly ordinary experience and circumstance where you're just attending just a regular chapel at school and God says, no, 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 it's a divine appointment and I'm speaking to you. I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray for you and I want to pray for some people and I'm going to ask Pastor Melinda and the worship team to come. And I know how difficult it is sometimes, but I I, want to give an opportunity for some people to respond and to say, I hear you. I hear you, God. Forget about me, but I hear you, God. I hear you speaking to me, and I want that, and I need that. I've tried all the things I could try, but something is not clicking, but I know that you can do it, and I know if you grab hold of me that things would not be the same, and I want that to be my experience today. I want you to just come so that I can pray for you. As the worship team sings, I just, if you would just come, it's not going to be a long time. If you would just give me just a few moments, I would love to just pray for you and cover you because I think this is an important time in your life. I think this is an important time in the world. And I think that God did not build you for a mundane experience. Would you come? Would you just come now? I just want to pray over, over some of you. And I want to bless some of you. And I want to impart over and in some of you. Because I know that God wants to transform some things in some of you. I am more convinced now than ever that if some of you get it, that the world would not be the same. I am convinced now more than ever that if, if some of you yield yourself wholeheartedly, that the world will not be the same. I'm so convinced. Would you yield? Would you hear God and say, God, I'm going to move towards you. I don't know what it means. God, I know what my past looks like. I know even on this campus, I'm not even a credible witness. But God, I know you can transform me. You've done it before. You did it for that guy who was speaking. If you did it for him, why can't you do it for me too? 
What no ear has heard, what no eye has seen, nor has it entered into the heart of man, what God has in store for those of you who love him with an exclusive love. I'm going to just give you a few more moments to come if you would. this world. Lord, they are not a mistake. They are designed to be in this world by you because you, you built them world tough. You built them with the capacity to have you live inside of them in such a way that it would transform their lives 
that it would transform the world, that it would have generational implications. God, I claim in the name of Jesus that abuse in all forms gets ended by this generation. That these people who have availed themselves to you have broken in the name of Jesus every generational curse. Have broken every challenge that has perpetuated itself in their families. God, I pray for restored relationships and healing over them in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you will provide them with a healing community of people that will uphold them and keep them and encourage them. I pray that when the enemy comes, because he will, to snatch what you are doing in them right now, that, Lord, they would know that it is an attack of the enemy. That, Lord, when even their counterparts and their peers come and tell them that you cannot recover from what you have done, cause them to have the fortitude in the spirit to say, Get thee behind me, Satan, for I am new and I've been made new. I pray, Lord God, that they would commit themselves to you wholeheartedly and that this campus would not be the same and that their hometowns would not be the same and that the places that you send them on mission, both formal and informal, will not be the same because some people on Eastern Nazarene College campus in a chapel just like usual were met by the unusual God. So bless them immensely. Every blessing that you have allowed me to give to them as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I impart over them and onto them in your name. And that the spirit of God would be in them and hover over them, would go before them and be their rear guard. God bless them immensely and transform their lives. We ask you these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. amen. Sing that with me one more time. Make me a vessel. So make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Cause where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom. And the kingdom is here. I lay down my old things to carry your standing will you please sing with me praise God from whom all 